Hi everyone, I hope you're all doing so well and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode, we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history. And today we are going to be talking about the case of Elliot Roger. So Elliot Roger, um, I don't even know where to start with this man. Elliot Roger is sometimes referred to as the king of the incels or even the killer virgin. He spent a lot of time in the incel community online, forming some pretty dark and dangerous views on society and women more specifically. He called himself the supreme gentleman and was particularly bitter about the fact that he was still a virgin and no woman was ever interested in him. And then on top of all of that, he published a load of YouTube videos venting about all of this, which was very worrying. And he also wrote a 137 page manifesto. Yeah, you heard that right. 137 page manifesto. And I had the unfortunate experience of reading every single page. And it was not an easy read at all. Elliot rambled on about how he was so hard done by throughout his life, which he wasn't. He was incredibly privileged. But unfortunately, Elliot also wrote down some pretty disturbing views on the world. And after publishing this manifesto, he went on to carry out an absolutely horrific act. And that is what we are going to be talking about today, the horrific crimes of Elliot Roger. So let's dive in. Elliot Roger was born on the 24th of July, 1991, making him a Leo. He was born in London to his father, Peter Roger, and mother, Lee Chin. Elliot's dad worked in the film industry as a director, and he worked on a lot of TV commercials, like that kind of thing. But also, later on, he did become the assistant director in The Hunger Games, the film. Yeah, I know, pretty big deal. Elliot's mom, Chin, was born in Malaysia, and she moved to London at a pretty young age. And she was a nurse, and she found work on film sets as being like the nurse on film sets and stuff. And that is how she met Elliot's dad. But before she did meet Elliot's dad, she did become friends with some quite famous directors like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. And she actually did date George Lucas at one point as well, which I just found kind of fascinating. So Elliot's parents meet, they get married and they have Elliot. And at the time that Elliot is born, they are living in London, but they decide that they don't really want to raise a child in the city. So they do move out to the countryside. They move out to Sussex where they did have like a very nice home in the countryside, like literally typical English countryside. I can imagine it was like this nice little cottage with all these fields around. And if you couldn't guess, Elliot's parents, given the kind of work that they do, were pretty well off. And this is kind of a running theme throughout this case that Elliot, even as a child, but especially when he was growing up, was absolutely obsessed with wealth and status. He would like to brag about how wealthy his parents were and the status that they had. And he would also judge other people if he thought that they were below him, like if they didn't meet his status, which those people are always the worst. He would definitely put a lot of emphasis on designer brands, uh, the make of his cars and other people's cars and the area that he would live in. For Elliot's preschool, he was enrolled in an upscale private boys school preschool thing. And for the first, 
first five years of Elliot's life, he was very happy. His life was pretty much perfect. He would play in the woods surrounding their house. He would build snowmen with his dad. He had quite a lot of family that would always be around. He had quite a lot of cousins that he would always play with. He would also go on vacations quite a lot all over Europe. He'd actually gone to quite a few countries at a young age. He lived a very privileged life. And then when Elliot was five years old, his parents did have another child. They had a little girl who they called Georgia. And Elliot actually wrote in his manifesto autobiography. He wrote that the first five years of his life were just pure happiness and bliss. Zero red flags, nothing here that would even remotely suggest why he turned out the way he did. And then just after Elliot's fifth birthday, Elliot's dad made the decision that the family should move to the US. And he was a film director, of course, and he just felt like there was gonna be more opportunities for him in LA. So he moved the whole family over there. So the family bought a house in LA and this was a fancy ass house. He had a huge swimming pool, had balconies with amazing views. It was a very, very nice house. And Elliot was absolutely thrilled to be moving into this absolutely amazing home. Like I said, from a very young age, he put a lot of emphasis on wealth and status. And I bet you're thinking, okay, he's moved to a different country. Is this where things maybe start to take a turn? But no, he had a very smooth transition from the UK to the US because when he first got there, everything was going great again. Everything started off amazingly. He started school. He made loads of friends. He fitted in so well. He had lots of play dates. He went to birthday parties. He was socializing with loads of kids in his school, loads of kids in his neighborhood. His parents also did have quite big social circles and he would social with the children of his parents' friends. So he had a huge group of kids. He had a very active social life. And when he moved to the US, this is when he made his first female friend called Maddie Humphreys. And this is pretty significant because in Elliot's manifesto, he said that Maddie was his first and only female friend he ever had. But anyway, everything is going really well for Elliot and everything is also going really well for Elliot's dad's career. He's working for some pretty big TV companies, but this also means that he doesn't spend too much time at home because he's away at work all the time. But this didn't affect Elliot at all. He was actually really proud of his dad and how well he did, but he was only proud of his dad because his dad was doing so well, which meant that he was earning more money, which meant that the family had more money and Elliot likes wealth. However, because of Elliot's dad traveling a lot for work, this started to cause tension in Elliot's parents' marriage. And Elliot's parents started to argue quite a lot, which did cause Elliot quite a bit of anxiety. So then one day, Elliot approaches his mom and asks his mom, are you and dad splitting up? To which his mom replies, oh no, don't be silly. Like nothing's wrong. We're never going to split up. And she kept reassuring him that everything was fine. But the thing is, everything wasn't fine. And when Elliot was seven years old, his parents did get divorced. And this completely through Elliot because literally only a couple of months prior to them getting divorced, Elliot had that conversation with his mom and Elliot just felt really betrayed by his mom because he was just like, why would you tell me that you would never get divorced? And then a couple of months down the line, you are getting divorced. And this did shatter Elliot's trust in his mom. And I couldn't help but think there was no evidence to back this up, like not in Elliot's manifesto or anywhere else, but this is just me thinking. I couldn't help but think, was this when the distrust of women, the resentfulness and hatefulness towards women began because he did lose trust in his mom and he felt like his mom betrayed him? I don't know. You know, I think too deeply into things sometimes. So his parents get separated and his mom moves out of the family home. She moves into a smaller home and his dad stays in the family home and Elliot is now living between the two houses. And then a couple of months later, Elliot's dad 
introduced him to his new girlfriend. And Elliot's reaction to his dad getting a girlfriend was so weird, like just not normal at all, because you gotta remember here, Elliot is only seven. And I've got a quote here from his manifesto, so I'm gonna have to look down so I don't get this wrong because it's quite long. In his manifesto, he wrote, because of my father's acquisition of a new girlfriend, my little mind got the impression that my father was a man that women found attractive. I subconsciously held him in a higher regard because of this. How weird is that? He's seven. Who thinks like that at seven years old? But regardless of Elliot's opinion of his dad or of his new dad's girlfriend, who would become his stepmom, they do get married down the line, but we have so much to cover in this case. I had to cut some things. Elliot would not like his new stepmom at all. They would not have a very good relationship. But a lot of the clashes between Elliot and his stepmom was that Elliot thought that because she wasn't a biological parent, she didn't have the right to impose rules on him. And he felt that the rules that she did impose were too strict. So yeah, basically that is their relationship in a nutshell. So Elliot's school life, his early school life anyway, was pretty normal, absolutely no red flags, nothing to point out that could even suggest why he turns out the way he did. This is the thing about this case. I couldn't get over how normal his childhood is. I know he's very wealthy and I know he's very privileged and he obviously experiences things that most of us don't experience. But overall, his childhood is very normal. So Elliot throughout his childhood would just be normal. He collected a lot of Pokemon cards. He played on his Nintendo, had a lot of friends. The only problem that Elliot seemed to ever have was that he wanted to be one of the quote, cool kids. And Elliot believed that the friends that he currently had didn't fit into this category. Elliot believed that he was destined for better things. And Elliot never invested a lot of time in his friendships, in any of his relationships really that he had. So even though he did have quite a lot of friends at this point, he didn't put that much effort into keeping them as friends. Elliot was just always looking at the cool kids in his school. He wanted to be friends with them. So he would look at them and try and emulate what they were doing. So when the cool kids stopped playing with Pokemon, Come on. Elliot stopped playing with Pokemon, even though he loved and was obsessed with Pokemon. When the cool kids started skateboarding, Elliot started skateboarding, even though like he didn't really love it to begin with and he wasn't really very good at it, but he made himself do it because he thought that by skateboarding, he would automatically become one of the cool kids. Elliot also dyed his hair blonde because one of the cool kids, I think the leader of the group had blonde hair. He also asked his parents for new clothes because he didn't feel like the clothes that he was currently wearing were cool enough. Basically, Elliot did everything and anything that he could to try and fit in with the cool kids. But at heart, Elliot was just really shy and everything that he was doing wasn't truly himself. He wasn't being himself. And Elliot became obsessed with the quote, cool kids for pretty much the rest of his life. Elliot even blamed his parents for not molding him into a cool kid. This is definitely another running theme throughout everything. Elliot would always look to blame other people. He would never blame himself. But spoiler, he's a narcissist, so what do we expect? But the other problem that Elliot had, which wasn't really his fault, not all the time anyway, is that Elliot moved school so much. It was ridiculous. When I was reading his manifesto, it felt like every other paragraph, he was like, I've moved school, I've moved school, I've moved school, I've moved school. And I was like, how many times does this person want to move school? He literally moved school. And I'm not even talking about when he gets to college because he also moves college as well. I'm just talking about school, middle school and high school and everything. He literally moved school 
10 plus times. It was absolutely ridiculous. A lot of the times he would move school because his parents would move house and he was going between the two houses and he was just doing what was convenient. But sometimes as well, he would also want to move school because he didn't fit into the current school that he was in. But basically he didn't fit into the school because he didn't fit in with the cool kids, if that makes sense. So this obviously did lead to a very unstable school life. And this probably did contribute to the fact that he did struggle with friendships as well, because he's moving all the time. Like how are you supposed to keep friendships when you're that young as well, when you're moving school all the time? So moving school a ridiculous amount of times and his parents getting divorced, those two things are pretty much the only two things that may have had a significant impact on Elliot's life. And I don't know if this is a bit weird for me to say, but I was expecting more trauma. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just so used to doing these videos and looking at people's backgrounds and they have some of the most horrific childhoods that I've, I've ever heard of. So I was expecting more because what Elliot goes on and does and the hate and resentment and anger that he has, I was expecting more. And I don't know if that's weird for me to say. Okay, so Elliot is now entering fourth grade and this is when Elliot starts to become very aware of his appearance. It was at this point that Elliot realized that he was the shortest in the class and he absolutely hated this. He saw himself as very small, as very weak. He would even play basketball because someone had told him that if he plays basketball, that would make him taller. So he played basketball obsessively every day for a very long time. But shockingly, it didn't make a difference because I've never heard of that before. But obviously playing basketball is not going to make you taller. And this was just the beginning of Elliot's lifelong battle with insecurities about his self-image, about his appearance. So at the age of 11, we're jumping forward a couple of years now, Elliot does enroll into Pinecrest Middle School, which is a private school. He had to wear a uniform like they're very fancy. And this is when Elliot's experience at school starts to go downhill a little bit. Again, he struggled to fit in with what he called the cool kids. And when Elliot would make an effort to interact with the cool kids, they would just end up mocking him and teasing him. And this soon did turn into bullying and Elliot was called the weird kid that no one wanted to hang around with. So now Elliot is kind of changing his mind on the cool kids. He calls them, in his words, in his manifesto, the obnoxious obnoxious jerks. And Elliot mainly didn't like the cool kids because he felt that he should be accepted into their friendship group. So he then started to see the cool kids as his enemies, even though he would still want to be one of them. Like he would do anything to hang out with them. So he was kind of like a love-hate relationship, even though it was only one-sided. Does that make sense? And Elliot also did experience a very significant event when he was at middle school that would traumatize Elliot for years. And I'm sure you can guess by my tone, it's pretty pathetic, but uh, let me tell you about it. So one day Elliot is playing with some friends, boys, because he doesn't like girls, and they're all tickling one another because they're children, they're 11, and they all turn on Elliot and start tickling him. And he is extremely ticklish. So he was like, moving around, like trying to get away from them. And he accidentally bumps into a girl. And this girl who is about the same age as Elliot is so annoyed that he bumped into her. So in retaliation, the girl pushed him. Not even that hard, just pushed him like, get off me. You know, like, I feel like we've all done that. And that was it. That was it. That is the traumatizing event that Elliot experienced. And uh, when I was reading his manifesto, he was building this up. Like he was building all of this hate and this resentment towards girls. And he was like, this is the significant thing that happened that traumatized me, that started off my hatred towards girls. And I was like, oh my God, what happened? And he got pushed. I was like, really? Really? But Elliot was furious that this girl had reacted in that way. He couldn't believe that she had the audacity 
to push him back. I have another quote for you about this experience from Elliot's manifesto. Cruel treatment from women is 10 times worse than from men. It made me feel like an insignificant, unworthy little mouse. I felt so small and vulnerable. I couldn't believe that this girl was so horrible to me. Yeah, very dramatic. And from this moment on, he pretty much saw all girls as evil and cruel. And he became very nervous, very timid, very insecure, very shy around girls as well from this moment on. There were a couple of other significant life events that happened to Elliot when he was in middle school and the first was that his dad announced that Elliot's stepmom was going to be having a baby and then Elliot had a new baby brother that they called Jazz and at first Elliot was really excited of the prospect of being an older brother to a little brother because obviously he had a little sister but um, we're not going to go into too much detail on the relationship that Elliot had with his little brother but let's just say it does turn a little bit sour and the other significant life event that happened to Elliot is that his dad stopped paying child support, which meant that Elliot's mom was forced to move out of her house into an apartment. And this did not sit well with Elliot at all because we all know he likes his status, he likes his wealth. And he believed that an apartment was below him. So Elliot's reaction to all of this was like, are you being serious? An apartment? I have to move into an apartment? He couldn't believe that his mom would sink so low. It's like the way he thinks it just I have no words but because Elliot was so embarrassed about the fact that his mom and himself have moved into this apartment he refused to have any friends over and I think the fact that Elliot moved into an apartment and he was embarrassed about where he lived was a real trigger for him becoming more and more reclusive because even though he didn't have many friends he still did have a handful of friends and they would come to his house quite often well, all of this stopped and his friends were slowly dropping off one by one and Elliot was pretty much making zero effort into keeping them or even making new friends. So Elliot's life consisted of him going to school, hating every single minute of it, not really having many friends, not really interacting with many people right now, coming home and playing video games. He was absolutely obsessed with World of Warcraft. And the only break that he really had from all of the time in his room playing video games was when he got to go to the premiere of Star Wars. Mm -hmm, I know, he went to the premiere of all three, episode one, two, and three. He went to all three premieres. And that was because his mom was friends with George Lucas. And I just think, how privileged are you, Elliot? It's like, do you know how many people would kill for this experience? And he did like going to premieres because it made him feel important. But I just wanted to include that because it didn't really add much, but it just gives you an idea of the kind of privileged lifestyle that Elliot is leading. Next up, Elliot would be going to high school and he was absolutely petrified at the thought of this because of the cruelty of girls and he was very scared of girls. So he begged his parents to send him to an all boys school, which is what they did. He attended a very prestigious all boys private school and almost immediately he absolutely hated this. And during his first week at school, the other kids, like when it was lunchtime, would throw their food at Elliot. Like the bullying was pretty bad that he did experience in high school. And then it was around this time as well that Elliot was exposed to something that is very significant in this case and that is sex. His first exposure to sex was 
when he was alone at a internet cafe and he went to this internet cafe quite a lot to play World of Warcraft and he noticed an older boy that was on his own watching pornography on one of the computers. And Elliot was 13 at the time that this happened and this event left him absolutely traumatized. And Elliot said in his manifesto, quote, finding out about sex was just the beginning of my horrific downfall. And as he went through high school, more and more people, especially the boys, started to talk about sex. And when Elliot was in the ninth grade, boys in his class started to brag about the fact that they were having sex with girls, with their girlfriends. And Elliot couldn't even fathom how they were doing this. I mean, they were only 14. And let's be realistic, they probably weren't. I mean, maybe some of them were, but most of them probably weren't. And as time went on, Elliot was exposed to more and more conversations like this. And he started to just become really envious that all of the boys, it seemed, were having sex with girls and he wasn't. He said in his manifesto, quote, words cannot describe how much hatred and envy I felt for those boys. The hatred would only fester the more I suffered from my sexual starvation. And this just made Elliot retreat into himself more and more. He was playing World of Warcraft just more and more. He felt like the only thing that he had to live for was World of Warcraft. And the bullying that he was experiencing at school had got worse. So he begged his parents to send him to a different school. So at the beginning of 10th grade, they did find him a new school. However, Elliot didn't realize that they would be sending him to public school. And he was absolutely horrified at this for a number of reasons. He was horrified because it was gonna be a lot bigger. There was gonna be a lot more students there. There would also be girls there because he was previously at an all boys school. But most of all, he thought that the public school was beneath him. So Elliot went to this school but he didn't last long. He only lasted two weeks. He dropped out after two weeks because the bullying that he was experiencing got that bad. So his parents agreed to send him to a continuation school and I didn't know what a continuation school was. And apparently a continuation school is a school that has been designed for students that are having difficulties at school. And these can be a range of difficulties like difficulties at home, like parents, drugs, um, difficulties at school, like bullying. And a continuation school just offers students a more flexible work environment. And at this continuation school, Elliot would only need to spend three hours of his day at school and then he would get the rest of the day to himself. And Elliot was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I only have to spend three hours at school. Then I can go home and play World of Warcraft for the rest of the day. Again, this makes him retreat even more. He doesn't attempt at all to socialize at this new school. And this is how Elliot spent the rest of his time at high school from the ages of 16 to 18. And throughout this time, Elliot suffered quite badly with low and depression. He wanted a social life, at least that's what he said in his manifesto, but he just didn't know how to get one. And the problem with Elliot is that he only wanted a social life with quote, the cool kids. So Elliot was spending quite a lot of time on the computer playing World of Warcraft, but also online. And this is when his dangerous views started to form. So he's starting to see things online about sex, about teenagers having sex. And again, this would fill him with rage at the thought of people his age having sex and he wasn't. And this made him develop quite extreme feelings of resentment and anger, hatred towards all people having sex. Not just women, especially women, but not just women. Look at them. He's in heaven right now, sitting on this beautiful beach with his beautiful girlfriend, kissing her, feeling her love. While I'm sitting here all alone, because no beautiful girl wants to be my girlfriend. I hate them. I hate them so much. 
Why does he deserve to get that experience and not me? I can only imagine the heavenly things they'll be doing together when they go back home tonight. I'm sure they'll be having sex. What will I be doing? Lying in my bed alone with no one because no one wants me. And Elliot felt that he had been condemned to live a life of celibacy. And he saw this as a massive injustice. This, or oh, this is where I have to hold my tongue because Elliot felt like he was owed sex. And he believed that he deserved it more than the boys that were having sex. And he believed that girls should be throwing themselves at him because, oh my God, he has the biggest ego. Ego is not even enough of a word to describe what Elliot is. He is on another level. And the thing is, Elliot put in no effort to, I hate saying this, but to try and get a girlfriend and to try and have sex. Like, I hate even saying that, but he put in no effort. He believed that if he dressed really nice, if he did his hair, if he drove a nice car, the girls would just flock to him. I don't know why you girls are so repulsed by me. It doesn't make sense. I do everything I can to appear attractive to you. I dress nice. I'm sophisticated, I'm magnificent. I have a nice car, a BMW. So he spent a lot of time just walking around his neighborhood and he would see young couples holding hands, kissing, just hanging out. And this would fill him with so much rage. And even at this point, which I just found really weird, is that he fantasized about being a powerful dictator. But because he was a powerful dictator in his fantasy, he would have the ability to outlaw sex because he believed that if he wasn't getting sex then no one should be getting sex. So Elliot finishes high school and he enrolls into a community college that is near his dad's house in the Woodland Hills area of LA. However once again Elliot doesn't have a very good experience and he drops out. So now he's just living at home not doing anything and his mom is just like uh-uh I'm not having this you're gonna have to do something you either go to college or you get a job. So Elliot decides, well, I don't really like college, haven't had a good experience there, I'll go get a job. And he thinks that because he is Elliot Roger, he is very important, and he also comes from a pretty wealthy entitled family, that he will just be going into this job and doing actual office work. Like he won't be going in at the entry level, he'll be going in a few levels up. And Elliot, to his horror, had to do menial tasks like cleaning, he had to clean bathrooms, which he was absolutely horrified about. And he said in his manifesto that there was no way he would ever degrade himself into cleaning bathrooms. So to no surprise, he quits his job. But his parents still take the same approach that he can't just sit around doing nothing, he has to get a job or go to college. And this is when they suggest that they will pay for him to attend college in Santa Barbara. So Elliot's parents take him to Isla Vista to visit the colleges there. And Isla Vista is a community in Santa Barbara and it's pretty much just a college town. Most of the people living there are attending the two nearby colleges and the two colleges are UCSB and Santa Barbara City College and Elliot attends Santa Barbara City College. So Elliot and his parents are driving around the streets of Isla Vista, they're taking a tour of the little area and Elliot sees that this whole town is pretty much just college students and he's like, oh, oh my God, this is my opportunity to become one of the cool kids. So he moves to Isla Vista and attends college and attempts to have the life that he has always dreamed of. But as always, things don't exactly go to plan for Elliot. And that is because of Elliot. 
nobody else because Elliot instantly turns his nose up at the roommates that he has because he thinks they're below him. Elliot would constantly change roommates in the hopes of finding one of the cool ones. And in true Elliot fashion, he puts absolutely zero effort into socializing, into trying to make friends. He expected everyone to come to him. He expected everyone to want to be friends with him and flock to him. So he would just wait around in different areas of the campus, waiting for other college students to approach him because they wanted to be friends with him. And when they didn't, because people don't really do that, he was left really angry and really frustrated. How dare none of these people approach me and want to be my friend? And this is just a common theme throughout this whole story. Elliot expects everybody else to put in all of the work and he expects to do nothing. And Elliot's approach to getting a girlfriend is, <laughs> it's comical. It's like, it's just like, what is this actually real? So Elliot's approach to getting a girlfriend was to put on nice clothes, sit in a cafe for hours, sit there looking pretty, and he would expect girls to just approach him. But because Elliot is just sat in this cafe and no one is approaching him, he's getting really frustrated. And he thinks, how dare people not approach me when I look this good? Something else that was really frustrating him as well is that he was still a virgin. And he just thought, how are all of these ugly people, these are his words, by the way, how are all these ugly people having sex and I'm not. So Elliot's college experience went on like this for quite a few months, pretty much the same as high school. He would be really angry at everybody else around him having fun and having sex. And it was fast approaching his 20th birthday. And this was a huge deal for Elliot because he couldn't bear the thought of turning 20 and still being a virgin. So he made a huge effort to lose his virginity. But I should probably stress this, is that he made a huge Elliot effort. So this was his huge plan to lose his virginity before his 20th birthday. Mind you, his 20th birthday is only 12 days away. <laughs> so for 12 days straight, he goes and sits outside of Domino's Pizza and he sits there and he hopes that a girl would just approach him <laughs> and I don't know what he was thinking was going to happen and this girl was going to magically take away his virginity. Why would anyone approach him? He was probably not even eating pizza. It's like how how strange would that look? And he did this for 12 days in a row. And to be honest, I'm surprised that Domino's let him do that. I mean, surely he was driving customers away. But in these 12 days, Elia actually did make his first attempt to speak to a girl. Yeah, first attempt. He's complaining so much that girls keep rejecting him left, right and centre. And he's only now at 19, basically 20, making his first attempt at speaking to a girl. So he was just walking. He was probably walking to Domino's to sit outside of Domino's and he was coming to cross a bridge and a girl was coming the other way to cross a bridge. And when they met in the middle of the bridge, Elliot said to the girl, hi, that was his big effort. And the girl just carried on walking. She didn't say anything. And this was a really big deal for Elliot because he didn't talk to girls and he had to build himself up to say hi to this girl. And he was outraged. He was so angry. He was so furious. How dare she ignore me? How dare she not say hi back? I mean, first of all, she may not have even heard him, but I think it's safe to assume that Elliot was probably acting a little bit strange and suspicious. So I can't really blame her for just carrying on walking. But after this little situation, Elliot felt so humiliated that he found a bathroom on the college campus and just cried for an hour. And that was Elliot's attempt at losing his virginity. 
sat outside of Domino's and saying hi to a girl. So Elliot is now 20. He's still a virgin and he's still living a very miserable and lonely life. And he would continue to be filled with rage every time he would see anybody really having fun, but especially young couples. And it was around this time, just after he turned 20, that Elliot decided that he was going to start lashing out at people to get revenge on them. So one morning, Elliot is at Starbucks because he was quite Starbucks obsessed. He went there every day. Enjoying a nice vanilla latte. So he was having his morning Starbucks and he saw a young couple in line at Starbucks and they were being a bit lovey-dovey. They were holding hands. I think they were kissing. They were, they were just in love, you know, like maybe showing a bit too much PDA. And Elliot became absolutely livid at this couple. And as they were leaving the store, Elliot thought, right, I'm going to do something about this. So he follows them out of the store. He has his Starbucks in his hand, his little morning latte. Elliot then follows the couple onto the street and the couple approach their car. They're about to get into the car. However, Elliot decides to pour his latte over the couple and then he runs away as fast as he can because he's so scared and he felt exhilarated. This was the first time that he had lashed back, that he had got revenge. And then he proceeded to do this a few more times, pouring drinks over people that he didn't like. And then there was this incident where Elliot was driving around in his car because he would drive around quite a lot in his fancy BMW. So he was driving around, he was wearing a really nice shirt, he was feeling himself, he thought he looked really good and he saw these two girls just sat at a bus stop. He pulled over to these two girls, he put his window down and he just smiled at them. I don't know why in Elliot's mind he thought that that would be appealing. It's like just put yourself in the position of those girls. They're sat at a bus stop and this strange man pulls over and just smiles at them. He doesn't say hello, nothing. He doesn't say a word. He just smiles at them and they don't smile back. They don't do anything. They just look at him and Elliot is furious at this. He's like, how dare they not smile back at me? So what does he do? He gets his Starbucks latte and he chucks it over them. So Elliot didn't really have much going for him at this point, but he did have something that did cheer him up just a little bit. And that is that he was going to another film premiere. And that is that he was going to go to the Hunger Games premiere. I know, The Hunger Games. Remember I said at the beginning of the video that his dad was the assistant director on The Hunger Games? Well, Elliot got to go and walk down the red carpet and go to the premiere of The Hunger Games. And Elliot absolutely loved this because he loved living the life of luxury. But this was still not enough to drag Elliot out of the misery of the thought that he would never lose his virginity. And Elliot started to believe that the only way that he was going to lose his virginity is that if he became rich and powerful. So Elliot wanted to become rich. I mean, his family were already pretty well off, but Elliot wanted his own money and he didn't know quite how to do this. But he soon came up with the ingenious plan that he was going to win the lottery. So when he was younger, his dad gave him the book, The Secret. And if you're not familiar with The Secret, it's basically just very briefly, it's all about the power of positive thinking and the idea that if you believe in something enough and you put it out there in the universe, you can actually manifest it. So this is what Elliot did. He would meditate for hours every single day and he would envision himself winning the lottery and he truly believed that this was going to work. Now, I'm all about positive thinking, okay? 
but there's just some things that you just can't control and winning the lottery is one of them. But Elliot started to believe that it was his destiny to win the lottery and that as soon as he won the lottery, he would be rich and powerful and then he would be able to get any woman he wanted. So Elliot started playing the lottery, but of course he was unsuccessful. But he kept believing, he kept meditating and he kept playing the lottery and he would spend a lot of money. He would spend 50 to $100 at a time. He would also drive to different states to try and increase his odds. And of course he was unsuccessful. And in true Elliot fashion, every single time he lost, he would get so pissed. He would think that he was so hard done by. He would think that the world is out to get him. But he didn't give up. Apart from World of Warcraft, this is probably the thing that he stuck to the most. So he kept on playing the lottery and the lottery had gotten to a point where the jackpot was like $650 million. And Elliot thought, okay, this is my time now. Clearly I was meant to lose all of the other times I've played because I am destined to win that $650. Of course he didn't, but he truly believed that he was going to win the $650. So he spent $700 on tickets. Are you being serious right now? It's like, does he not even realize how privileged he is to spend $700 on tickets? It's, oh my God, I can't. So following this, Elliot's behavior started to become a little bit more dangerous. Let's just say we are now in 2013, which is the year before the horrific attack. And this is when Elliot starts to embed himself in the incel community online. So in case you're unfamiliar with the term incel, incel basically just means involuntary celibate. And incels define themselves as people that want sex, but they can't have sex. They can't find a partner to have sex with. So therefore they are forced to be celibate against their will. And there are quite large incel communities online where people would gather to discuss their frustrations, to discuss their anger, their rage, their resentment. A lot of these discussions do display resentment and anger towards women against society about people just in general having sex. A lot of the discussions as well involve a lot of self-pity and a lot of entitlement to sex as well. So of course, I have literally just described Elliot. He identified with this community a lot. It was probably the first time that he found a community where he belonged. And I just want to say quickly that the incel communities have existed for a very long time. They existed before Elliot was around. They've existed since about the early 2000s, so kind of the beginning of the internet. But unfortunately, because of today's case, because of Elliot Roger, he did make the term incel more prominent in the media, and now a lot more people know about incels and that community. And yeah, he really kind of highlighted the incel community. And also because of this case, this is another side note, this is actually another really sad thing that has come from this case. Since the case of Elliot Roger, there have been an increased amount of attacks from people that identify as incels. And there was even an attack uh, in August of 2021 in the UK from someone that was an incel. Of course, I do want to stress this. Not everybody that identifies as an incel is a violent person like Elliot. Of course they're not. But Elliot and unfortunately some other people do have more extreme views in the incel community and they do want to commit acts of violence against people who they perceive as their enemy. And then this led Elliot down another dangerous path 
an interest in firearms. Elliot started to go to shooting ranges and he enjoyed the feeling of holding a gun. He said that it made him feel powerful and in control. And by the end of 2013, he had purchased three handguns, which he kept in his room on the college campus. And it was around this time that Elliot had even more disturbing and dangerous thoughts. And that is that he was seriously considering harming those and inflicting violence and pain on those people that he saw as his enemy. And this is when he started to fantasize about committing these acts of violence, which he called the Day of Retribution. So in this so-called Day of Retribution, Elliot fantasized about carrying out a violent act of revenge. He wanted to go out onto the streets of Isla Vista and cause as much pain as he could. And it's said that Elliot started to think about this Day of Retribution as early as him starting college when he first arrived in Isla Vista. And he was slowly planning this Day of Retribution over the three years that he attended college there. So it's now summer 2013, nine months before the attack, and Elliot decides that he's gonna have one last go of living the life that he's always wanted, which is being one of the cool kids and being able to attract whatever woman he wanted. So he started working out, he bought himself some new clothes, he got his mom to buy him a new car, a new BMW, and he thought, right, surely I'm cool enough now. So one night he had a few drinks to give himself some confidence and then he started to walk the streets around where some house parties were going on and he stumbles across this house party. He goes inside and in usual Elliot style, he stands in the corner and waits for people to talk to him. But no one approached him. But when no one approached him, he got really angry and furious and he stormed outside. And when he went outside, he saw that there were a few people, I think they were from the same house party. They were like on this roof ledge thing. I don't really know where they were. They were just high up on this roof thing and it was like flat. There was a little seating area up there. So these people were up on this ledge thing. Elliot saw them, they were having fun and Elliot was like, I'm gonna go up there. So Elliot goes up onto this ledge and tries to hang out with the guys and girls that were up there, but they don't really want Elliot up there. Elliot got really, really angry. So what does Elliot do? He starts trying to push the girls off the ledge. And I've got to stress here, this ledge is about 10 feet off the ground, but Elliot is a bit drunk and in his drunken state, he can't thankfully push these girls off the ledge. And then the guys that were up there, they ended up pushing Elliot off the ledge. So Elliot has been pushed off this ledge, which is 10 feet off the ground. He lands on like his ankle and it snaps. Oh, ugh. he then got to his feet, which I don't know how he did. He's just snapped his ankle, but Elliot managed to get to his feet. He stumbles away. Further down the street, he comes across this other crowd of young people having fun. He starts to try and pick a fight with them. He tried to punch one of them. And in the end, Elliot got punched in the face. He ended up with bruises all over his face. And then I don't really know what happened because the next thing that I know is that Elliot is in the hospital because he snapped his ankle. And it was pretty serious. Elliot had to have surgery and he was in a hospital for a few weeks recovering. And it took him a very long time to recover from this incident. So because it took Elliot Elliot months to recover from his surgery, that meant that he was spending even more time alone, which for someone like Elliot is not good. So we are now jumping to New Year's Day 2014. Elliot has pretty much recovered from his surgery from his ankle and he wakes up and he thinks, right, it is finally time to carry out my day of retribution. In his manifesto, he wrote, this was the year in which everything will come to a close. In this year, I will finally have my closure, my vengeance, my retribution. I have been rejected, insulted, humiliated, cast out, 
bullied, starved, tortured and ridiculed for far too long. It was time to plot exactly what I will do on my day of retribution. I will be a god, punishing women and all of humanity for my depravity. So Elliot decided that he was going to carry out his day of retribution in just a few months time. So in these months from pretty much New Year's Day to when he carried out his attack, he started to upload many videos on YouTube. And this is because Elliot wanted to finally share his views with the rest of the world. Elliot would often drive around Isla Vista on his own and he would just record himself expressing his views about women, about his hatred towards society, about his hatred towards men. I did watch all of his YouTube videos as well and that was pretty painful, not gonna lie. A lot of the footage that he recorded was so narcissistic. Oh my god, so cringe. He would shower himself with compliments and not in like a positive uplifting way. Oh my god, it was just so cringe. I'm, I'm such... A magnificent guy. I'm beautiful. You can't deny that. I've traveled all over the world. I have so much to talk about. But a lot of these videos were just repetitive. A lot of the messages were just the same, just over and over again. The general gist of the videos was, poor me, I'm a victim. Look at me, I'm beautiful. I'm amazing, I'm magnificent, I am owed a girlfriend and I am owed sex. And throughout the videos, I just couldn't help but notice how inauthentic they were. They just seemed fake. It just seemed like Elliot was playing a character and it wasn't really him. Like I just couldn't get past that his eyes and his mouth were saying two different things. It's like they weren't connected. I don't know if any of you will know what I mean, but his eyes, they just seem dead. There just seems like there's nothing going on there. The girls are not sexually attracted to me. There's a major problem with that. A major problem. That's a problem that I intend to rectify. <laughs> I, in all my magnificence and power, I will not let this fly. It's an injustice that needs to be dealt with. It's a bit scary actually how dead and empty his eyes are. It's just weird. You know when someone smiles and their smile doesn't reach their eyes? That's how I felt about Elliot's videos. What he was saying wasn't reaching his eyes. And uh, how fake is that laugh that he was doing? It was so awkward. <laughs> Like, oh, it's just everything. It's just weird. It was like he was playing a character. Like he was playing some sort of villain and he'd like taken notes from a film. Like, oh, I should do this. I should do an evil laugh. Elliot also spent these few months creating his manifesto. But like I said, it wasn't your typical manifesto. It was basically an autobiography because it was 137 pages. And these were A4 pages. These were huge. In total, Elliot wrote 107 pages thousand words. And just to put that into perspective, that is the same amount of words as Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. He wrote a goddamn novel and I read the whole thing. Why you ask? I don't know. I thought it was going to be useful and I'm not going to lie to you. It was excruciating reading that, but it was just so repetitive. It was like the YouTube videos. He just kept going on and on and on about how unfair his privileged little life is. And when I got to the end of the manifesto, I was just like, so what happened? Like what happened to him that was so bad? Yes, he went through some bad things, who hasn't? 
But what has happened to him that's that bad to create all of this hatred and rage and resentment towards women and towards society? In my opinion, he just came across as whiny and entitled. There is a running theme throughout the manifesto. No surprise, it is about how cruel women are. But I could only think of two events that happened to Elliot where he classed women as cruel. And that is the one when he was in middle school where he was being tickled and he got pushed into that girl and that girl pushed him back. And then the other time when he was in college when he walked across the bridge and he said hi to the girl and she just ignored him. And that is it. That is the two incidents where women were cruel to Elliot. So when I finished the manifesto, I was just shocked because I was just like, what happened? Like, seriously, what happened? Nothing happened. That's the answer. And if you're considering reading the manifesto, don't. Don't waste your time. It's literally so boring. It's so repetitive. So then at the end of the manifesto, Elliot wrote in detail about his plan and what he wanted to do and carry out on the day of retribution. And I've got to warn you here, this is not nice to hear. So he split his day of retribution into two phases. The first phase would actually take place the day before the retribution. And the second phase would be the day of retribution. So on the day before the retribution, Elliot was planning on going to his dad's house and killing his brother, Jazz, and his stepmom. Elliot had grown to despise his younger brother because he believed that his younger brother was growing up to be cooler than him. And he couldn't stand the thought of his younger brother living this cool life that Elliot never got to lead himself. And he couldn't bear the thought of his younger brother overshadowing his legacy. So therefore, he decided that he must kill his brother. And then he never liked his stepmom. So that is why he wanted to kill his stepmom. He decided that he wasn't going to kill his dad. Very nice of him, isn't it? He decided that he didn't know if he could go through with killing his dad, so it was best just to not even try. So he was going to wait until his dad was out of town, which his dad was out of town quite a lot because of work. So then Elliot planned after killing his younger brother and stepmom, he would go back to his apartment on his college campus. And this is where he would kill his two roommates. And he wanted to kill his two roommates so he could have the entire apartment for his torture and killing chamber. And then he he would somehow lure people back to his apartment using, quote, trickery. He would then torture these people by stripping off their skin and by pouring boiling water all over them whilst they were still alive. He would then slit their throats and decapitate them. He would then store all of these decapitated heads in a large bag. And that was phase one. And then the next day, the second phase would start and this would be the day of retribution. Elliot's plan was to go to what he described as the hottest sorority house of UCSB. He would go there around 9 p.m. and sneak in. Just before a party was about to start, he would slaughter every single person in that house. He then planned to burn the entire house down. Following this, he wanted to go out onto the streets of Isla Vista in his car and run over as many people as he could. And then for the final showdown, he wanted to drive onto the main street get out of his car, get the bag of decapitated heads. He then wanted to empty the heads out onto the street, shocking everybody that had gathered around him. Elliot wrote in his manifesto, quote, everyone will fear me as the powerful God I am. Elliot then planned to take out his guns and just open fire. 
on the people that had gathered around him and kill as many people as possible. And he even wrote in his manifesto that as soon as police would approach him, he would then turn the guns onto himself. So now we are in April 2014 and we are fast approaching the weekend that Elliot wants to carry out his day of retribution. However, days before he plans to carry out his day of retribution, he catches a cold and he decides that he's going to have to delay his plan by a few weeks. So he then set the date for Saturday the 24th of May. So in those few weeks where Elliot had delayed his plans, the police actually show up to his apartment. So Elliot opens the door to the police and he's thinking, oh my god, they know my plan, they're going to search my apartment, they're going to find all of my guns, they're going to find my manifesto. And Elliot right now thinks that he's been caught, that he's not going to be able to carry out his day of retribution. So it turns out that someone had seen Elliot's YouTube videos, became very concerned and reported them. This world, it's so twisted. It's so cruel. And you girls make it cruel. So then the police had arrived at Elliot's apartment to carry out a welfare check because the police were concerned that Elliot was going to take his own life. I don't know, but I don't think they were, but I don't know if they thought that he was a threat to others. I'm pretty sure that they just thought that he was a threat to himself. But Elliot, somehow, I don't know, he turns on the charm and he convinces them that everything is okay. And the police actually leave without searching the apartment. And this has happened so many times now in these cases, and I can't just help but think, if the police had just searched his apartment, they would have found the guns, they would have found the manifesto, and this could have been prevented. So then this takes us to Friday the 23rd of May 2014, which is sadly the day that the tragic events of today's case take place. So Elliot starts with phase one, and his dad was actually home this weekend, so Elliot abandons his plan to murder his brother and his stepmom. Tragically though, Elliot did carry out the next stage of his plan, which was to kill his two roommates. His roommates were Chung Yuen Hong and George Chen, and on that Friday, day they both had a friend over Weihan Wong and tragically Elliot stabbed all three to death and then at 9 17 p.m Elliot uploaded his final ever YouTube video. Hi Elliot Roger here well this is my last video it all has to come to this tomorrow is the day of retribution the day in which I will have my revenge against humanity, against all of you. I'm 22 years old and I'm still a virgin. It has been very torturous. It's not fair. You girls have never been attracted to me. I don't know why you girls aren't attracted to me, but I will punish you all for it. I don't know what you don't see in me. I'm the perfect guy, and yet you throw yourselves at all these obnoxious men. Instead of me, the supreme gentleman, I will punish all of you for it. You will finally see that I am, in truth, the superior one, the true alpha male. <laughs> yes. Well, now I will be a god compared to you. You will all be animals. You denied me a happy life, and in turn, I will deny all of you life. It's only fair. I hate 
all of you. <laughs> I've waited a long time for this. I can't wait to give you exactly what you deserve. Utter annihilation. <laughs> and then one minute after uploading that video at 9.18pm, Elliot emailed his 137-page manifesto to 34 people. And this included his parents, some other family members, some school teachers, and also some of his old friends. And when people saw this manifesto, the police were immediately contacted. Elliot's mom and dad as well, as soon as they saw the manifesto, immediately left home and rushed to Elliot's apartment. But unfortunately, it was too late. So originally, Elliot was supposed to carry out his plan over two days, over a Friday and a Saturday. However, it seems like he changed his mind for whatever reason, because it's just Friday right now, and he's deciding to carry out phase two on Friday. So less than 10 minutes after Elliot emailed his manifesto to those 34 people, he was already outside the sorority house. He got to the front door, he tried to get inside, but the door was locked. So he started banging on the door, trying to demand his way in, shouting, swearing, and people were inside the sorority house and they were aware of Elliot. And as you can imagine, they were absolutely terrified. So because no one opened the door, Elliot did give up on trying to enter the sorority house, thankfully. However, when he turned around, to abandon his attempt to the sorority house, he did see a group of three girls walking down the street. And he decided, well, seeing as I can't get into the sorority house, let me just take out these beautiful girls right here. So Elliot pulled out a gun and tragically started shooting at the three girls. Tragically, two of the girls, Catherine Cooper and Veronica Weiss, lost their lives. The third girl, Bianca, was shot five times, but thankfully she survived this attack. After this attack on the three girls, Elliot then got into his car and started driving around the streets of Isla Vista. He then drove to a nearby deli where he got out of his car and just started shooting randomly into the building. And the footage of this, because there is footage, is absolutely horrible like it's I can't even put into words how absolutely terrifying that would be to be in that deli. First images of the terrifying moments in this college town with a gunman on a rampage. Students seen ducking for cover in this surveillance video from the IV Deli Mart as bullets rip through the store's window. And you can see everyone is panicked and ducking for cover. And inside the deli, a man, Christopher Michael Martinez, would tragically lose his life because of his gunshot wounds. Elliot continued to drive around Isla Vista just randomly shooting at people on the street until eventually the police caught up with him. The police did shoot at Elliot and one of the shots did hit Elliot in his hip. Elliot then crashed into some parked cars. The police got out and rushed to his car to arrest him. But when they opened the door to the car, they found Elliot dead with self-inflicted gunshot wounds to the head. Major developments after that shooting rampage in California. Tonight, investigators pouring through that manifesto and, of course, the gruesome discovery in the alleged gunman's apartment. More bodies after his shooting spree in the streets. A community still in shock tonight. Thousands gathering at a park, candles in hand, holding a tearful vigil for the dead and the injured. Friends leaning on each other, so many new victims, so many others witnessing the shooting spree itself lasting several minutes. And the slow and steady line of people this Sunday placing flowers at every stop along that route of terror. And obviously the aftermath of this absolutely horrific act sent shockwaves through the community. The police and the media tried to go through Elliot's YouTube videos. They went through his manifesto to try and figure out 
why did Elliot do this? And like I said before, this is when people did start to focus on the incel community. Elliot did shine a light onto the incel community. But what was even more worrying, disturbing, absolutely disgusting, is that people in these incel community online forums were actually praising Elliot for what he did. They were lifting him up. They called him the king of the incels. I just, no, I don't even want to think about that. And you know what? We're not going to talk about them anymore because they're worthless pieces of shit and they don't deserve to be talked about in this. On the day after the killing spree, a candlelight vigil and a memorial service was held, which was attended by over 20,000 people. Elliot's roommates and their friend, Chung Yuen Hong, George Chen and Wei Han Wong were all best friends and had a bright future ahead of them. Wei Han's mom has said that she is extremely proud of her son, who was a very gifted computer programmer. George's mom has spoke about how incredibly kind, how incredibly generous he was. And Chung has been described as one of the kindest, most generous people you will ever meet. And he was always willing to help everyone that he could. Katie Cooper, who was shot just outside of the sorority house, was only weeks away from graduating from her art history degree. And she has been described as smart and unforgettable. Veronica Weiss, Katie's friend, who was also shot outside of the sorority house, has been described as fierce, strong and smart by her dad. And he has also said that she will be forever missed. Christopher Martinez had planned to go on to law school and he had an incredibly bright future ahead of him. He has been described by his dad as just an all round, just an amazing, great kid. And Christopher's dad actually did go on TV to talk to everyone after the attack. Why did Chris die? Chris died because of craven, irresponsible politicians and the NRA. They talk about gun rights. What about Chris's right to live? When will this insanity stop? When will enough people say, stop this madness? We don't have to live like this. Too many have died. We should say to ourselves, not one more. Thank you. And this case has just completely stumped me. I don't even know what to say. Like my heart feels so heavy right now. It's like, I don't even know what to say. Like I, I don't. When I started the research, I knew how heavy and horrible this case was. But when I found out that Elliot had wrote this 137 page manifesto, I knew I was going to read it. And I thought reading that manifesto, I would get some... I don't want to say answers because I'm not excusing what he did, but I thought that there would be some evidence to suggest how he turned out the way he did. Why did he have so much hate, anger, resentment towards the world in him? What caused that? And yes, he went through some hard times, but who hasn't? But nothing on the scale that I was expecting. And Elliot's parents have spoke out publicly after the shootings, and they have said that they did not see this coming, and I believe them. Even when I was watching Elliot's videos, I didn't buy into his character that he was putting across. And as far as I know, Elliot was never officially diagnosed with any mental health issue. And he never mentioned anything about a diagnosis or anything like that in his manifesto. He did speak on depression, anxiety, those kinds of things, but he never spoke about a diagnosis or anything like that. I do know that Elliot did visit different therapists and he was prescribed some medication for something. I don't know what that was for, but I also know that whatever medication he was prescribed, he didn't take it. I mean, it's not for me to say I'm not a medical professional. I don't want to start speculating on mental health. I don't know. There was clearly something going on. Definitely delusions. Um, 
narcissism, maybe, um, depression, anxiety, we know that. And I don't know what else. And I did see a psychologist talking on a documentary on this case. And he said that even if Elliot did get a girlfriend, even if he had no trouble with girls or anything like that, the outcome of this case would have still been the same because Elliot would have just directed his hate, his anger, and his resentment at something else. And I completely agree. I mean, he may have been frustrated that he was still a virgin, that he couldn't get a girlfriend, etc. But I don't believe that that was the sole motivator, if that makes sense. I do feel like this is one of the rare cases that nature probably plays more of a role than nurture. Like, I just think that Elliot was born a certain way. I don't know. Oh God, nature, nurture. But let me know all of your thoughts because I really want to know because this case has me stumped. I just don't have any answers and I just don't know what to say. And my heart goes out to all of the victims, friends and families. I hope you're doing okay. And that brings us to the end of the episode on Elliot Roger. There are no updates on this case. So thank you so much everyone for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup. And if you enjoy the show, it would really mean a lot if you could leave a five-star review because it really does help out the podcast. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios and I'll see you all in the next one.